Welcome to the Real Estate Survival Guide, the show that teaches realtors how to create a thriving real estate business. Welcome to today's episode of the Real Estate Survival Guide podcast. I'm your host, John Shookman, and I am so thankful to have you with me for today's episode. A huge thank you to Jennifer Harshman and Harshman Services for sponsoring today's podcast episode. I'm so thankful for the team at Harshman Services for being a part of helping my business and for sponsoring the podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to today's episode of the Real Estate Survival Guide podcast. So honored to have you guys with me today and so honored to have today's guest with us. My guest is my friend Nick Loper. Nick helps people earn money outside of their normal job. He is an author, entrepreneur, and host of the award-winning Side Hustle Show podcast, which features new part-time business ideas each week. As the chief side hustler at SideHustleNation.com, Nick loves deconstructing the tactics and strategies behind building extra income streams. I first met Nick earlier this year at PodFest and was just really impressed by his story and what he's built. His show now has over 20 million downloads. There's analytics all over the place, but basically he's somewhere in the top 1%. I'm looking and you know, the site list notes has top 0.1%. So like the top 10 of 1%. So he's built something incredible. And I just thought his story, because he speaks to entrepreneurs, would be so helpful for you realtors out there. So Nick, thanks so much for taking time. Welcome to the Real Estate Survival Guide. John, thanks for having me. You're making me sound good. <laughs> got the uh, the Real Estate Survival Guide, I guess the side hustle show is kind of like the personal finance survival guide, the extra income survival guide. Yeah, dude. And I love your story. I mean, you know, Vincent Puglisi, who I'm in a mastermind with. So I had I kept hearing your name. And then when we met in person, I'm like, that's Nick, like the Nick. (laughs) And so I'll just (laughs) thank you for coming on today. And even then, and I think I even talked about it afterwards. I talked about like how to, you know, grow your show. And I on an episode even I was so impressed. You're sitting there at the networking events. I remember being in line to grab a beer with you and thinking like, He's built like one of the most successful shows ever, but he's still putting in the work to grow his show and connect with people. And so very impressed by what you're doing and super proud to like be able to talk to you today. Thanks for what you're doing and just uh, being willing to share some time with us today. We really appreciate it. Oh my gosh, it. there's always more to learn. That's probably the, <laughs> the the coolest thing about my job is like, you know, I learn something new every day. And actually on that point, you just got back from uh, FinCon, another uh, conference in the in the financial media space and like a, t- a total like tale of two networkers right the one guy is like i you know i made a goal to hand out 50 business cards tonight and i got four left here 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 mm-hmm. and we're like dude who are you what, what are you doing and the other guy yeah i'm standing with he's like the way i see it i'm surrounded by teachers and i was like wow i love i just i love that line just like i could learn something from anybody That's awesome, man. So tell us, I mean, I gave a brief intro, but like Side Hustle Nation, how the heck did this start? What made you decide that this was a good idea? I mean, you know, and again, we're talking to realtors, but I think it's so impressive how you started this really, you know, so what made you decide, hey, I want to go down this path? Yeah, I was running my uh, original side hustle that turned into my full-time business at that time. It was a comparison shopping site for footwear, mm-hmm. pretty random niche, but that was kind of how I got my start online was uh, selling shoes or rather helping Zappos and Amazon and these other retailers sell their shoes on an affiliate basis. And I kind of naively thought this 
could be my thing. Like I just be the guy who does shoes on the internet. Like a lot of businesses, it had a, a finite lifespan. And I didn't really see it at that time, but was really fortunate to have started several other side projects uh, kind of, you know, off to the side of that shoe business. One was a virtual assistant directory and review platform that I sold in 2020. Mm-hmm. And the other one that stuck around, and there were plenty that failed and died at like a quiet death in the corner of the internet for the sake of full disclosure. But another one that stuck around was this little blog and podcast, like, hey, dust off the mic, you know, mm-hmm. let's see if anybody will tune in to the side hustle show. And I was really surprised because I, you know, I thought I'm myself as a writer, first and foremost, had been blogging on a personal domain that nobody ever read for years and years. But in the podcast was kind of like, you know, almost done out of peer pressure. Well, you know, you got to have, if you want to have a personal brand, you got to have a blog and you got to have a podcast or you could do YouTube. YouTube was like the other option. I was like, well, I don't really know how to do video. And so podcasting was like the lesser of two evils and turned on the mic and started scheduling guests and was legitimately concerned. Like, am I going to run out of people to talk to? What did I just commit myself to? It was 15 bucks a month to host the thing. And had it been 25 or 30, I don't know if the show would have existed, but now nine and a half years, uh, 500 something episodes later, it's become a part of my identity. Like it took a long time to identify as a podcaster, but it absolutely has been uh, a life-changing experiment that started in the corner of the living room. I love it, man. And and I think so many of us as entrepreneurs, it starts from humble beginnings. Like, and and you say, you know, with shoes, VA, blog and podcast, it's not like you said, oh, yep, I'm going to be a podcaster and make this a full-time job. You were just trying different things. And it was the one that kind of stuck. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. It's the one within a year and a half of starting it, it had become the main focus for me, almost out of necessity because the shoe business was kind of on this long, slow decline, but was really fortunate to have something to fall back on. And I was more excited to work on it. Anyways, I could see kind of the upward trajectory. It was a lot of fun to meet people in this space. And you kind of feel like, okay, there's, there's something here. And it, I'm still learning, you know, what exactly that may be, but it clearly, uh, you know, was trying to create the show that I wanted to listen to as a, as an entrepreneur or as a, you know, semi-successful, semi-struggling, depending on the day, depending on the week uh, in online business and started from my own curiosity. And that's still what fuels the show today. It's like, well, how'd you come up with that idea? Like all sorts of really creative stuff that people are doing. How'd you make your first sales? You know, what would you do differently? How are you marketing this thing? I, I still love all that stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. So was was that year and a half when you realized, oh, this could actually be like a full-time thing that becomes my career? Or how long did that take? Yeah, it was, you know, started to see some money. The first thing that I hosted, you mentioned Vincent. The first thing that I hosted was a private mastermind for, mm-hmm. you know, readers and listeners. But I don't think I would have sold any if it was only blog readers. I think the right. relationship that you build with somebody tuning into you week after week, 30, 40 minutes with you in their earbuds. Like you build a really uh, strong relationship with people that way. So put out the call for this private mastermind. It was like hundred bucks a month for three months, like pretty low priced, but it's like, uh, you know, you could deal with your own confidence issues and had six, seven, eight applications for that. And that was the kind of the first thing outside of just random affiliate links that uh, Side Hustle Nation did to monetize, added some self-published books, added some of my own side hustle experiments. That was one of the you know, hypotheses early on was I'll be the guinea pig. I'll go 
interview people. I'll come back. I'll test stuff out. I'll you know see what works, what doesn't work, and um, that has shifted a little bit. But that fueled a lot of the content early on. It was like, well, let's go, let's go out to Walmart and see what we can find to uh, flip on Amazon, or let's do mm-hmm. some freelancing and see how this works, and I, all that stuff was was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's really cool. So, so nine and a half years in a podcast, you were really one of the beginners because it's it it, it seems like because even now podcasting we think like we go to these conferences and podcasting is like a huge thing but for most people in the world they're like what's a podcast and so i feel like podcast is really growing so i can only imagine what almost 10 years ago like what what did people say when you were like oh i'm starting a podcast was it like what the heck is that but <laughs> <laughs> they were polite to my face but i'm sure they were thinking like Really? I don't know. Um, what was crazy was, yes, it's it's crowded now, but it felt crowded then. Like there were already yeah. probably a dozen entrepreneur interview shows out there. And so it felt like even in 2013, it felt late to the game. Right. And so yeah. the moral of the story is, you know, a year from now, you're going to wish you started today. And even though there are certainly more podcasts today and there's more money and there's more big media in podcasts, which is great because they brought new listeners into the fold in a lot of ways too. And so the, you know, the content production, you kind of, you got to step up a little bit to compete. The content has got to be better to compete with uh, what else is out there. There's a lot of amazing audio content out there, but in the broad spectrum of, you know, number of shows, don't get discouraged by the number of shows that are out there because only a fraction of those make it past episode 10. It's not as crowded and it's not as competitive as you might think. No, that's that's great advice. It's so funny because I what do they say? 80 percent of people like by the time you get to 10 episodes, if you've made it that far, you're one of like the top whatever, 20 percent, because that's how many people quit. Was there ever a time, you know, in those first few weeks where you're like, why am I putting time and effort into this? I know you said it was pretty cheap at the beginning, right? 15 bucks. Was there ever a point of doubt where you're like, no, this is not a good idea? I think I skipped maybe Thanksgiving that first year. So it would have been like six months in and I released on Thursday. So it's like, I probably skipped Thanksgiving and maybe Christmas that year, but I don't think I've missed a week since then. And it's never, never really crossed my mind to, to stop doing it. (laughs) It's become part of the routine. In the early stages, were you ever like discouraged by, oh, people aren't seeing this, not as many people are listening, or did you kind of go in with no expectations? You know, knowing what I know now and seeing how fast other people have grown certain, you know, their own shows. I was talking with Chris Hutchins uh, from All the Hacks at um, VinCon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in, I think he's been doing it like a year, maybe less than a year. And he's like, you know, blowing up the thing, you know, coming into the game from a Silicon Valley startup growth hack mindset of like, okay, well, here's, here's what works. Let's do more of that. I didn't have anybody to compare to in the early days. I was like, well, you know, it's the chart is moving up and to the right and I'm having fun doing it. So why don't we keep at it? Yeah, that's really cool. So so I think one of the cool things is and I, I, I think I asked you this in line, grabbing a beer, like, how do you measure success? How do you stay motivated? So for my listeners, um. How in the world, like, right, 20 million downloads is huge. It grows every month. You've you've done incredible things. How do you stay motivated to keep growing the show? Like now you've got right production and people helping you. But like what makes you like have energy and passion about doing this still? Well, it still is fueling my own curiosity in a lot of ways. 
and the notes that you get from listeners and even you meet people at events so they show up in person hey you your show changed my life or you know thank you so much just this way you know had this happen last week you know half a dozen times and it was like oh I, hey you know i saw i saw your name tag are you nick you know and it's like mm-hmm. yeah you know it was that so that kind of stuff is really you know rewarding and so i keep a so I have, you know, I have several labels in Gmail. I have like the hate mail folder for people who are like, ah, you suck, stop spamming me. Um, but I also have like the testimonials folder where it's like, hey, thank you so much. You know, I listened to this episode. I took action. These are the results that I'm seeing. Like that kind of stuff is definitely fuel for the fire to keep to keep going. Yeah, fuel for the fire. That's really good. Do you, and I feel like sometimes realtors feel like this, how do you write one of the biggest shows in the world? And you didn't say that, like I'm saying that, right? Your show is very successful. How do you, with all the success, stay humble? Like what, what is it that's like, cause, cause when I met you, I was like, that can't be that Nick because like, I would expect him to think he's like a hotshot and you were just like a normal guy. Like what, what about it? You know, I mean, I, I still think and I think I shared this on the show. You're sitting there at a table. You're networking with people. Some of these people probably have 100 downloads when you probably have, a, you know, a lot. Even yeah. when you blink. Like what what keeps you humble? I don't know. It was like I came all this way to this conference. I got to meet people while I'm here. <laughs> That's right. um, yeah, I, there's always more to learn. There's always more to strive for. There's always, you know, people who are doing it better. And, and I do the same thing, like listening to other podcasts, like, here's what I like, here's what I didn't like. I don't know. I've never had that <laughs> problem of being like, I'm, I'm the greatest. Cause as soon as you start thinking that, like, I feel like that comes across on air. And then all of a sudden, like that would be a major turnoff for me mm-hmm. because I get that feedback from listeners like, Oh, you just, you just seem like a curious dude who wants mm-hmm. to learn more about this stuff and uh, other hosts other hosts play the guru much better where they're like hey, i'm the expert and the you know can come and and do that thing but i don't know that's it's not a not, not my personality no that's awesome what has been like from all the success right nine and a half years doing that what has there been anything that you're like and maybe it's the downloads, maybe it's whatever. Has there been anything in there that you're like, that really surprised me? I didn't kind of expect the path to go this way. Well, this is this will sound dumb, but like the the, the fact that, you know, to build an audience-based business is that the audience is like real people. And mm-hmm. what's been most rewarding about that is being able to meet people in real life almost everywhere we go. And so and it started when we went to Vietnam in like 2013, taking a month off, we'll go travel around Southeast Asia. And one guy, I must've mentioned it in an email or something. One guy in Ho Chi Minh city is like, Hey, you're coming to Ho Chi Minh city. Like we got to meet for coffee. And so this guy, you know, comes up on his motorbike because it's all motorbikes there. And, you know, we go out for coffee and that was like the first official side hustle nation meetup. It was just me and him, but we've done it everywhere since then we've done you know all over the states we've done japan and prague and mexico city and you know anytime i'm traveling try and put one of these events together it's like built this worldwide network of what i would consider friends at this point and that's like the unexpected benefit the unexpected kind of networking benefit of putting yourself out there and working in public in a lot of ways yeah that's really cool what has you know, especially a time like now, right? The last few months being in a recession, you know, does it feel special to like bring a show to people where you're like, no, okay, you're struggling. Like I love on your website where it says 
your nine to five, you make a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. I, I love that quote. Does it give you encouragement to keep doing what you're doing, knowing that there's people out there probably every day finding you like, you know, my nine to five, I make 60,000, but now my cost of living is at 70,000. I need something to make $10,000 a year. Does it encourage you to keep going, knowing that there's people that are like, oh, I can listen to one of these hundreds of episodes, start doing this. It's not that hard and make that gap, you know, that 10,000, 20,000 gap. Does that encourage you to keep going? Yeah, hopefully the SEO is strong enough. Hopefully the word of mouth is strong enough where, you know, we, we start to reach more of those people. But that's the funny thing is, you know, started in, in 2013, you know, the economy was starting to come back after the Great Recession. And my dad is like, you know, is anybody looking for side hustles? Like employment is pretty strong <laughs> these days. Like, yeah. you know, what's going on in the macro environment doesn't necessarily trickle down to individual content creators, um, at least that I've seen in any meaningful way. I mean, I saw a, a dip in downloads at the start of the pandemic as the world stopped commuting and just had other things on their mind. It's like, oh man, I need people to go back to work because they have, they have more podcast listening time. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's hard to say that you can correlate you know, one event or one trend you know, to the bottom line in that way. But it's kind of, you know, trying to skate where the puck is going in a certain way, which is like, okay, I'm going to be creating this content and be in a position to catch the waves that hopefully come down the road in, in a rising tide of interest in this topic. Yeah, that's really cool. Tell me about, like, I feel like I've read so much in like a post COVID environment about like the great resignation where like everybody who was working from home for a period of time is now like, I mean, I met with someone yesterday who's who became a realtor and she said, well, I was working for JP Morgan Chase, very successful, you know, six figure income, VP, blah, blah, blah. I was home working through COVID and I went back after a year and a half and decided, holy cow, I hate this. I hate going <laughs> to work every day. Did anything post pandemic kind of have you been able to reach more people who are realizing I don't want to be in a 90, a, a nine to five? I don't want to do this the rest of my life and then die. It's kind of funny how. I mean, the the great resignation is a funny name for it because it's like, well, people still have bills to pay. They still have responsibilities. So it's like, you might resign from one job, but likely you're taking a lateral or, you know, an Mm -hmm. advancement move to the next job. And the grass is always greener. And we've seen with a lot of these companies, hey, everybody come back in the office and workers being like, I'm. I'm good in a lot of ways. Like maybe I'll come in a couple of days a week. And yeah. so we're seeing like, even especially in kind of like Seattle and the suburbs uh, out here, like lots of tech infrastructure being built, office space is being built by Google, Microsoft, Amazon, uh, Facebook even. And it's like, you know, kind of reconfiguring, you know, this hybrid work schedule. And it's interesting to see where that goes. I don't mm-hmm. know. People are, you know, the especially with unemployment, uh, the way it is today, it's kind of like, well, uh, the bargaining chips are kind of in your hand as the worker to say like, well, right. here's what's, uh, here's how it's going to be, Mr. 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 or Mrs. Boss. Yeah. I, I don't know how long that lasts, how long that leverage uh, goes on, but it is an interesting one to see play out. Yeah. No, that's really cool. And it, it is interesting. And it's funny. I, I thought the term was funny, too. I think I read it in an article and I was like, the great resignation, like who decided it was like the great resignation? But I, I don't know who it was, but I, I've seen so many people leave careers and, and maybe it's real estate. Maybe it's online selling. I know a ton of people getting into like Amazon sellers, but there's a ton of people 
that now are like, wait a second, why did I let someone dictate what I did for so long? And so it might be, and and I don't know, maybe they're finding things like what you're doing and being like, well, yeah, it's more like the great money. leveling up or like, oh, I can, oh, I know, love get that. a, I can get a significant salary raise by jumping ship to this new company, which is frustrating for a lot of reasons. Frustrating for employers. Now I've lost, you know, probably years worth of knowledge and skill in this person. I got to spend money to replace them. It's like, would it have been more economical just to give them the raise that they wanted anyways? And meanwhile, the new company is paying an inflated salary for somebody who's coming in green uh, into their systems and their roles. It's a weird, it's a weird thing, but that's how it has been for the last few years. Like if you want to get significant bump, you got to kind of jump, jump companies every couple of years. Yeah. One of the things I really appreciate, and I think you do so well with your show, with your website is you make something that I feel like people think is so complicated, easy. You're like, here, listen to this person. Here's how they do it. You talk about how they've done it. And I think, you know, on one of the tabs on your website, you're kind of like to make money online, you need three things, a website. Don't worry. They're not that hard to make an audience and something to sell. And I feel like it's so simple, right? It's almost like, why aren't more people do it? Do you think because you've kind of like simplified it and you have all these episodes with people that have done it, do you think that has helped you? Because I think there's other people that have shows like you do, but haven't grown like yours has. Is it because you make it simple and easy? Is that part of it? I I don't know. Simple in a lot of ways. Yes, but easy is harder to say. I, yeah. I don't know. I think I owe a lot to word of mouth and really the strength of the stories of the guests um, where we've gone intentionally not after the you know big name celebrity entrepreneur type of guests but rather the you know trying to scoop the story uh, maybe it's somebody's first interview or maybe it's their second interview where you know they have a compelling story a lot of times nowadays it bubbles up from inside the community you know I see their interactions inside the Facebook group or you know they respond to one of my emails mm-hmm. and just being able to showcase you know, real people getting it done. I think that seems more relatable and maybe more prone to word of mouth sharing. Like, Hey, you gotta go, you gotta go check out this episode. You know, people sharing it with their friends. So that's a theory. I don't know if I have any data to back that up, but I think Mm -hmm. one thing that has definitely worked in my favor. I think it's really cool. It's so funny because even like, no, you know, you knowing Vincent and the connection there, I remember, so I lost a W-2 job. And so I literally, I I wish I would have found your show February 26, 2019, when I lost my last W-2 because I, for years and years, worked jobs and could never keep a job. Like I probably have been fired for more W-2 jobs than anyone in the world until I found my niche in real estate and started to build success from there. But I used to look at people like Vincent, you know, looking at what you do, like what you're doing, John Lee Dumas, all these people doing amazing things and kind of kind of think like, oh, well, yeah, that's great for them. They can run a membership community. They can write a book. They can have a successful podcast and thinking, but I'm just a normal guy. But you have kind of shown through your show, like you're a, I mean, you're a normal guy. You are super humble about it. So it's not like you're some huge celebrity that like, oh, they were given all these things. You just built it. Right. And so that's been impressive to me to watch. Do you think that's that has made you more relatable to people that like you kind of built it from scratch? Hopefully, you know, it was all bootstrapped. It was really slow in the first few years. So maybe that makes it more relatable. But like everybody is just, you know, they're just another 
human trying to find their way, you know, maybe they started a little bit earlier, or maybe they, you know, accelerated, they got, you know, some lucky break in some cases, but everybody that you meet is still trying to figure out their way. They have their own doubts and insecurities. There's a famous story of, I think it was Bill Gates after being interviewed on Oprah, you know, turning around, maybe it was Barack Obama and he, you know, asks her after the interview and did that go? Okay. Was that okay? And she's like, Everybody asks the same question. Doesn't matter if it's their first time interview or if it's the president of the United States. They're like, yeah. you know, still like, well, was that okay? But that's something that that comes to mind. I want to go back to one thing that you mentioned, and you know, spend a lot of time before each episode, really coming up with the hook. And same thing when yeah. you know, to give the example of Vincent. So Vincent runs Total Life Freedom. He's got a couple books, and he's got a story for every possible situation. Like he's had <laughs> just a, an amazing life from the outside looking in. Right. And most of his stories there, now, you know, by the way, most of his, sorry, most of his stories now he has to include the New York Mets. And I'm like, please stop including the Mets. I don't <laughs> want to hear about the Mets. I'm a Phillies fan, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's super well connected. And so he could, he could absolutely carry a conversation. You could just like tee it up and let him go whatever direction that you want. I remember, you know, going back and forth with him prior to recording and, you know, eventually he came up with, oh, I just, and we did this like, um, you know, photography school for like you know, parents who want to take better pictures of their kids at, um, you know, their little league games. And that did like 30 grand in a day. And well, that was crazy because I used to make like 30 grand a year at my day job. And I was like, oh, there it is. There it is. That's the hook, you know, from, from 30 grand a year to 30 grand in a day. You know, let's, let's cover that arc and, you know, how it went you know, how did we get there? And, you know, from your dad being like, look, you got this skill set, you're just not using it in the mm -hmm. right way. And like that little soundbite, and, you know, trying to structure the show like that. And even just last week recorded with a guy who, you know, had built this, um, you know, digital marketing agency and he had all, you know, all this in-depth SEO knowledge and then had, you know, turned around and started, you know, selling his little playbook on the side for how to build links and stuff. But it was like, you know, because we've done episodes where you try and tackle too much and it's like, okay, now what's, what's the hook? Like, what is somebody going to get in exchange for their half an hour, their 45 minutes of listening to this? And so we narrowed down, like, look, we're just going to brain dump on link building. If you don't leave this episode with another 15 links to your website, you're doing it wrong. Like, look, we're just going to go rapid fire through some easy wins here. And, you know, he was able to showcase his expertise. I'm sure it'll be a big win for him, but trying to you know, not cover, not cover everything, but like make it, you know, make it compelling in that title. Cause it's still yeah, you know, it's improved, but it's still a pain to get, you know, from somebody hearing about your show to finding their podcast app, to searching for your show, to searching for that specific episode, to tuning in for 40 minutes. It's a big uh, barrier to ask somebody to go. So that, that title, that hook has got to be really interesting. That's good. And I think, you know, for realtors in sales, how are you going to get people to have a conversation with you? And I think you've done it with your show, Find, like, and I think it's it's a lesson too to like do the research, right? So you could just have someone like Vincent on your show and be like, okay, cool, like talk about what you're doing. But if you've even spent 15 minutes building a relationship, you know, and you know him, but I'm just saying if, if it's a stranger, getting to know them and finding like, okay, where how what's the angle to go at? It makes you better. And I think when we're, you know, for realtors who are out there selling, it makes you better if you can communicate in a way that's really going to attract your audience. So I really love that point. So this is great. And I love all of this in all the success that you've had. Is there anything, you know, you talked about like doubts and stories, which I love. Is there ever a time where you still doubt yourself and say like, no, I'm not good enough. No, I can't do this. And on the flip side of that, 
um, with all the success you've had, what keeps you motivated? Like when you wake up every day, what, what keeps you motivated to keep doing what you've been doing? Oh gosh. All the, all the time, the, <laughs> the question of like, ah, yeah. you're really good enough to be doing this. And, and I will say like, there are far better entrepreneurs out there than me. And I was first kind of introduced to this fact, like in college, I was painting houses and it was one of these, um, you know, internship outfits where the, you know, they bring on a bunch of people and they assign you a territory and say, all right, go nuts kid, you know, see how many houses you can paint. And, you know, I did okay at that, but there were other people who did better in terms of sales and worked far less. Like I did a lot of paint, like I underbid a lot of jobs. I was afraid of not getting any work. And other people were like, oh, I think I just followed the template and, you know, I got painters doing the painting for me. You're not supposed to be painting. And so that was uh, eye-opening, like, okay, you're not, <laughs> up until that point, like, I think was very confident would be the, you know, polite way of saying that. And even in the online business world, I see people who are far better about removing themselves from aspects of their operation, who scaled a lot faster. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that, you know, and, and having to come to terms with that instead of approaching it from like, you know, jealousy and envy and, you know, why not me isms, but saying like, okay, you know, good for them. What can I learn from that? Um, yeah. That's kind of the first part on, <laughs> on, you know, the, the self-doubt that still creeps in or like, Hey, you know, you're not all that great. You're, you're okay, but you know, there's still uh, somewhere to go. And then what was the second part of your question? Yeah. The second part being like, as you built something super successful, what keeps you motivated? Oh yeah. I mean, motivation wise, obviously like the time leveraged income is really exciting to see, like spent most of the summer or, you know, hanging out with the kids and, you know, getting the, you know, reports like, oh, you made several hundred dollars today in affiliate commissions. Like that stuff is really motivating. And it, it kind of, it can almost trick you into thinking there is such thing as passive income, but it's like, well, it's That's passive right. for a while, Yeah, but it's kind of like, um, you know, painting the Golden Gate Bridge. Like, you know, yeah, I spend a lot of time updating content and by the time I'm done, it's time to start back over at the beginning. And so okay. going back into that mode of you trying to create the next evergreen asset, the next little piece of digital content that can go out there for months and years uh, on the internet and drive views and drive revenue and drive email signups and, you know, help people at the same time. Like all that stuff is really exciting to try and create another little, you know, digital minion out in the world to do my bidding <laughs> and hopefully serve somebody uh, along the way too. Dude, so cool. I love your story and appreciate you coming on. So before we close out, I love to ask guests, um, maybe this is starting the podcast. Um, I'd love to hear what would be, so go back to a point where you were experiencing adversity. Again, maybe it's starting the show. Maybe it's previous job. Maybe it's whatever it is. Tell us about it. And then what would be a piece of advice you wish you could tell that version of yourself? Um, man, uh, my first day of uh, of retirement, of self-employment, I called it my retirement at 25, quit yeah. my job, turned in the keys to the company car to run the shoe business full time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. You know, I've got visions of like the margaritas on the beach, four hour work week <laughs> right, lifestyle. Right. <laughs> and on day one, Google puts me in my place in a hurry. They say, sir, you can no longer advertise with us. Your account no longer meets our quality guidelines. I'm like, you didn't want to tell me uh, two weeks ago before I put in my notice? Like, what, right. you know, why now? And it was just, uh, you know, in an instant, 80% of the traffic and revenue for that site wow. was, was gone. And it was a crazy 
stressful summer trying to get back into their good graces and rework the landing pages. And ultimately they came back, you know, say, Hey, looks like we made it. We made an error. You're good to go. And it's like, ah, you know, it's just like so stressful. And I mean, it taught me a couple of things. Like first the value of diversification, right? Like mo- you don't rely on one source of income. Don't rely on one source of traffic spread it around a little bit, but also I wasn't very good at reinvesting uh, profits from the business into that diversification. You know, I kind of thought, Hey, you know, it worked last month. It'll work next month. Kind of a thing. Yeah. Instead of trying to get better at driving organic traffic, trying to you know build up social channels, trying to bring other team members on to, you know, make this more sustainable than just really being a one trick pony that relied on, on paid ads. No, that's really good, man. That's really good. And it it's kind of, I love that because just because it worked last month doesn't mean it's going to work that month. I think that's great for realtors because, you know, and again, as the market shifts, you got to do things different. You know, in the real estate community, there's been jokes that have been going around recently, that like memes on these groups on Facebook that say like, oh, now all those listing agents from nine months ago that would not return your calls are returning your calls because their houses <laughs> aren't gone in a weekend. They're, you know, sitting for a few days. But I think it's a huge lesson to always be flexible and willing to shift in everything that you're doing. So that's really cool. Yeah. I don't know what the market is like uh, in your area, but prices are dropping like a stone here. Yeah. It's shifting. It's, it's certainly shifting. It's certainly shifting. And I think every realtor, everyone listening to this, like you have to be ready for things to shift, right? Like when I had a lot of success, you know, started three years ago. So 2020, business was grew, tripled that in 2021, 2022 hit that by June. That's all fine and good. That doesn't mean I'm just like, okay, yeah, it's always going to be this good. It's like, okay, now how are you going to flex? How are you going to adjust? And so I think that's a huge lesson. So, uh, so I want to flip this around as I uh, shadowed this, um, yes, real estate agent in, uh, in college at the university of Washington and, you know, granted perspectives on income have have changed since then. But like he would talk about closing a million dollar house as his, you know, commission, you know, would be, you know, half of that at 3%. And it was like, you just made 30 grand. And like, for me as a college student, be like, I'm good. I don't have to do anything like the rest of the year. And so I'm trying to like, well, where do you find the motivation to come to show up to work tomorrow? And he was like, well, Nick, you know, it took a while to get that deal, you know, together, you know, it's like, not like you can do that one and done. But I mean, what what about for you? Like, so you get that listing to close and, you know, obviously there's a sales pipeline and everything, but like what keeps you coming back to the coming back to the plate for more? No, I love that. Thank you so much. I've never had someone flip it around. So now I'm like, wait, what do I say? Um, (laughs) I I think I've thought often and I share on the show the word impact. Impact is like a huge word for me. So impact is um, how I lead and serve and love my wife and my kids. Um, And impact is also like how I help others. So it's so funny that you say that, Nick, because this summer I had a one point three two five million dollar house. Normally I'm selling like three hundred thousand dollar houses and it was a thirty three thousand dollar commission, you know, before split. So, yeah, like I almost I made good money on that. Yeah. And and the month that that closed that month. So that was May and June. I I think I made, um, you know, eighty thousand dollars in those two months. Right. Yeah. And so the realtor, you're like, oh, that's great. But I also knew, hey, first of all, I'm not satisfied, you know, just being done. Right. Like even if I had hit my income by June, I'm not downstairs sitting on my couch. 
I'm always yeah, trying take, to just take the rest of the year off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, and, and we did, to be honest, like, I, I love your story about, you know, you traveling with your family. Cause we did a lot of that this summer too, but I was always like, I, I think every day it's like, how can I improve my business? How can I do something a little better to get to get a little better now? You know, in July, I launched a membership community and in September we made it public. So it's like, how can I improve for the realtors out there? You know, a lot of the realtors are me two and a half, two years ago. You know, John Lee Dumas has a great thing about like your who's your avatar. My avatar is me from two years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. Like my avatar two years ago, you know, and you don't know my full story, but like two years ago, I had made like no money. And we'd ask family members if we could move in with them <laughs> because we were so broke. We were going to sell our house. It didn't work out. Two years from that point, I think it was like 23 months later, we had paid off our $160,000 house. So in a span of two years, I went from 220000 in debt with consumer wow. debt and then my house to debt free, including the house. And so I think it's I, I love the question. Thank you. I think it's like I am motivated to always grow and improve to, you know, again, support my family and know that like just because I sold so much in May and June, you know, I haven't had a settlement since and we're in September. So I, I know that like when you close that many deals so quick, you're going to have a few months where you don't. And so right. I, I think that what motivates me is just how can I grow and improve for my family and uh, how can I honor God in what I'm doing in my business? And also, you know, how can I help realtors because they look to me. When they're for, I, I talked to one today and she's going through a really hard time, feels like she can't, she's going to go, you know, not, not make it in real estate. And so like that to me is like, I have to be there for those people who think this is hopeless, right? I have to support them and, and do what I can. So yeah. Anyway, thanks yeah. for the question. And it, it probably helps that you're not like 20 years deep into the business and you've, you know, been well networked in the community that entire time like no like i'm relatively green at this it can still work you know it, here you it, help me uh, let me help you out along the way it's so true because i i even know realtors that have been in 10 15 20 years and when i started my podcast they were like well you can't do that you don't know anything and then i'm like okay well <laughs> then you do it and i literally had multiple realtors that were like no we don't have the time and they don't remember you know like people i know making 200 300,000 a year in real estate do not remember what it was like to be broke. I did it, right? February 26, mm -hmm. 2019, lost my job. Didn't really start having success in real estate until the summer, the next summer. So 15, 16 months later. And it's raw, man. Like I, there's posts that I'll see from like Facebook on this day two years ago that I'm like, yeah, because two years ago, so I did one deal in April, one in June, and then five in August. But if you would have talked to me in July, right? I would have had two transactions two years ago under mm -hmm. my belt. Like I was, I think- it's all about, and I love watching, you know, your journey. It's all about staying humble and just trying to help people. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate it, man. Um, thanks for the question um, and flipping it around a little bit. Um, <laughs> I make that a goal on every, every That's year awesome. Let me, how, where, where's my chance to flip it around? That's awesome. But you, you get off the hot seat for a few minutes. So we'll put you back on to close out. So realtors out there that feel like I did two years ago that are struggling, that are frustrated, or even entrepreneurs that have thought, hey, maybe I need to make a few extra bucks. Like what would just be a piece of advice to them, people that feel like they're struggling out there? Um, man, one example comes to mind from our local community. And uh, this is uh, Melissa Waller. You can probably look her up, look up some of her marketing materials. Mm -hmm. You you can't not know who she is. I mean, she is sponsoring the school 
PTA events. She is making flyers. She's not short of knocking on the door. I don't think I've ever met her, but you know, she's like, look, I'm a mom in this community and I'm here. And she's really establishing a name for herself by, you know, anytime there's a community event, she is, she's on top of it. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you know, her outgoing competition, kind of this guy kind of nearing retirement, who was actually the listing agent on this house that we bought, you know, was a little bit you know, old school, you know, didn't invest a ton into staging photography, mm-hmm. whereas she, you know, will will do the house up, right? Modern staging, modern lighting, modern photography. And, you know, as a result, her listings sold for way more. And I was like, we're, I mean, really, I feel like we lucked out as mm-hmm. the, on the buyer side, because it's mm-hmm. like, man, had they just done five grand, 10 grand in cosmetic updates, yeah. kind of the stuff that we did, like first thing when we moved in, like, it probably could have got a lot more for the house. And, you know, we're fortunate. We're happy that they didn't, mm-hmm. but, you know, it was kind of the, the thing, you know, as they're, you know, had they chose a different listing agent, you know, might've been a different ball game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that advice is really um, like be involved in the community and it sounds like be a professional, right? Like if you're a professional realtor, like be willing to pay for the stuff that's going to make your houses sell. Is that right? So a pretty uh, a pretty strong ROI on just a handful of yeah. you know, relatively simple cosmetic things that we got done in a weekend. Yeah, I love it, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. Honored to have you on our show, and really appreciate it. Um, and just as we close out, I know people are going to want to hear more of your story, and we'll make sure we have everything in the show notes. For but for people that are just listening, where can they connect with you, find what you're doing, and and yeah, hear more about you. Yeah, of course. Would love to have you tune into the Side Hustle Show. You find it in all your podcast apps. Not everything is real estate related. In fact, very, very few of the episodes are real estate related. There's a few in there. But if you have someone in your life that is, you know, in that space of needing extra income, hundreds of ideas to choose from. You know, you can pick and choose, choose your own adventure. You don't have to listen to them in, in order, um, but would very much appreciate tuning in and spreading the word over there. Um, if you prefer reading, uh, sidehustlenation.com slash ideas is my you know constantly updated laundry list of different money-making ideas. So you can go check that one out as well. There's no opt-in required. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. And uh, thanks for spending some time with us. Have an awesome rest of your day. You bet. Thanks. A huge thank you, Nick Loper. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Guys, wasn't he an awesome guest? Super proud to know him and just everything he's built. You know, super humble. You would never know. Like I kind of said on the show, you would never know that his show has 20 million, over 20 million downloads. So it's so impressive what he's done. And I think it's a huge lesson to all of us, right? To be humble to work hard, right? He's been doing this nine and a half years. I've been in podcasting about two years. I cannot imagine adding seven years on top of that, you know, seven plus years. I'm so impressed at what he's doing. So a few of my takeaways as we wrap up, I love how he talked about, you know, and I, at the beginning I was saying, you know, meeting you, you would have never known your show was so big and probably one of the biggest shows in the world, right? Like the top 10% of the top 1%. So in the top 99.9%, yeah, he's in there. He's like the A-plus student with his podcast compared to all, all the other podcasts out there. But I love what he said, How even how he went to FinCon, how he believes there's always something to learn from everyone. Um, and I think that's a huge lesson. It was cool to hear his journey and how he wanted to create the show that he would want to listen to. 
And so I think in whatever you're doing, your entrepreneurial journey, whether it's real estate, whether it's a podcast, you know, create the show you want to hear or create the relationships with clients that you wanted someone to create with you when you were looking to buy a house. I love that. Um, He also talked about, you know, a year from now, what do you wish you would have started today? Right. He had started the membership, you know, for three months, had six people, seven people, then eight people in there. Vincent was part of that. What are the things that you should be starting and wish you had? His journey is just absolutely incredible. Hearing about his connecting to people, hearing about, um, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. And it's very interesting, right? When I asked him about like the doubts, I asked him what doubts he had. And he said, I have doubts all the time. And so I think like even if you've created something super successful like Nick with 20 million podcast downloads and a huge show, you know, one of the biggest in the world. There's going to be doubts and there's going to be these times where you, you know, don't think you're good enough. And so you have to just keep pushing on and believe in yourself. And it's been really impressive to watch how Nick has built this. I love how when he talked about the doubt, he said, I had to come to terms that there are people that are better than me and that's okay. And I can't be jealous. I think that's so huge for realtors, right? You know, I've often talked about, I love the phrase, a rising tide brings up all ships, because I do think even if people around you are successful, root for them, encourage them. You know, you don't have to tear them down for you to have success. And I think it's a great lesson from Nick that you don't have to be the best and you don't have to be jealous of people that are. So very cool interview, Um, kind of closing out. I, I loved his advice to himself and then advice to realtors, you know, while he was talking about how he had that issue with Google and 80% of his revenue was gone, how he just had to rework some things. And he learned to value diversity, like, you know, be investing profits in what he's built into, um, you know, other things and not just have one stream of income. We've talked about that a lot here on the show. That's why I've started thinking about real estate investing. That's why I've, you know, encouraged you guys to, you know, have things, whether it's a podcast, membership, real estate, but also real estate investing, like do something so that you are diversified. So love what he's doing. Super cool to watch his journey. So Nick, thank you so much for your time. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I certainly enjoyed talking to Nick about what he's built. Make sure you guys check him out. Check out the show notes for all the links sidehustlenation.com make sure you listen to the podcast and i've i've loved his show the side hustle show i i think it's a lot of fun the interviews are great and you know you can get some cool ideas too on things people have done to you know build these business from flipping shoes you know house plans you know all these different side hustles there's lessons in each of those episodes on how they created success that you can apply to your real estate business or whatever it is that you do so Nick, thank you again for being a great guest. Guys, check him out, SideHustleNation.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on our next episode. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Survival Guide. If you enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. It helps others discover the show. Thank you so much, and we will see you on the next episode.